0: This is the Thin Space Podcast. My name is Evan Chasteen, and I am your host today, along with Jody and Larry Green, the founders of Cloudwalk Ministries. We have a guest with us today, Richard Roberts. And before we jump into that interview, Jody, would you just share a little bit about how you and Richard came to meet and, and how Richard came to be on the, the show with us today?
1: Thank you, Evan. I would love to share a little bit about how I met Richard or... I haven't really met you, have I, Richard? We've only met on Zoom, so welcome, welcome, welcome! Thank you so much for spending time with our Thin Space community today. You know, people often ask after listening to a podcast, um, "How did you, how did you meet that person?" I think they're a little bit surprised that we know so many amazing people, and so I thought I'd share a little bit about how I came to know Richard and and invited him to join us today for Thin Space. Well, Richard and I have a mutual friend, Danny Mullins, who's also been a part of the Thin Space community. And I believe, Richard, that you and Danny met at a retreat in Florida where you were um, leading a portion of that retreat. And fast forward eighteen months during the the whole COVID break we all have taken, you've written a book, Richard, and the book is named "Cultivating God's Presence." and And I believe you sent. Danny a note about the book and and just asked him if if there was anyone in the community he thought would be interested And and Danny said immediately he thought of Clonwalk and forwarded your book on to us which after reading I said yes we we need to meet Richard I think he has a lot to teach us and would be a great partner with this journey we're on together so so we're just so glad you're here Richard I can't wait, wait for the people to, to get to know you and um, and hear all the wisdom that you have to share about cultivating God's presence and inviting God just to be with us more and more. So, um, I guess, Richard, where we'll start is, could you share a little bit about yourself, please, with our community?
2: Yes, thank you. Thank you for um, inviting me onto the podcast. Um, Yes, my name's Richard Roberts. I'm um, I live in the southwest of England, uh, in a rural area. For those of you who know England, uh, we're about a two-hour drive from Southampton, uh, two-hour drive from Plymouth and the Mayflower Steps, and a similar distance from Bristol. So uh, we're basically in the middle of nowhere in a small town. And um, I live here with uh, Norma, my wife. We three. Adult children and eight grandchildren. Um, we're hoping soon to visit our uh, grandchildren in Canada if uh, we're allowed to by the uh, the COVID uh, police there. And um, so we we've lived um, in the southwest. Um, well, I've lived in the southwest for much of my life. Um, so my original career was in medicine. Um, but also at the same time, I was uh, church planting, and um, in, in in a rural uh, in rural communities. So not not big churches, small churches. And um, so uh, I've ended up uh, living uh, very near what's called the Jurassic Coast for people who uh, who are interested in geography, um, near Lyme Regis, where um, the, the fossil hunter Mary Anning lived. So I became a Christian in my late teens, through a Baptist church, and it was a very good church. And so I was sort of introduced into the evangelical tradition. By that I mean, I don't mean sort of politically evangelical with the capital E, I mean, big emphasis on the cross, on the need for a personal relationship with God and the importance of scripture. Um, I later sort of supplemented that with um, charismatic movement, is on the, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. But from there, I, I also uh, began to explore other forms of spirituality, not because in any way I've regarded my evangelical and charismatic roots as deficient. I actually thought that they were were, were pretty good foundation but more because um, I felt that there, there might be some, some other other treasures. It was actually a bit more of a passionate quest than that, but being British, I can't um, express too much passion at this point. But um, so that led me into looking at um, Ignatius of Loyola and the, the early Jesuit movement. Um, I was really interested in how they formed such radical Disciples who would go to the ends of the earth for the sake of the gospel, and all, but also the the Celtic Christian tradition. So the Celtic fringes, being uh, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, southwest of England, and uh, Brittany in France and Gaul, and those sorts of areas, where a distinctive form of Christianity was was birthed. And so um, the the book uh, Cultivating God's Presence I wrote. Uh, It was my sort of lockdown project really, but it was looking at the Celtic Christian tradition and just asking, what do we have to learn from that, from that tradition? How can we sort of reinterpret the things that they were doing for today? And so um, I, I wrote a book with, I think it's got 17 chapters, all beginning with P. Which was quite a challenge
0: one of your quotes uh, just very much along the lines of what you're talking about is finding other christian streams have something valuable to offer that can lead to dialogue and mutual learning as you embarked on this uh, journey that was sparked by this passion to learn more a curiosity i think is a word jody and i used to describe kind of this uh, wondering about what else is out there, not because you've experienced something bad, but because uh, there's there's beauty within these other streams. Can you speak to that experience at all?
2: Yes, I guess, uh, you know, there's that scripture in Jeremiah 6, isn't there, about looking for the ancient paths. And so, just as an example, f- from the tradition I come from, there was very little about uh, silence. And um, I suppose the nearest we got was within the charismatic movement, was sort of resting in the spirit where you were lying flat on your back on the floor for 20 minutes, just not aware of what's happening around you. Um, But um, I uh, sort of, so at one point in my life, um, uh, I, I just found everything totally overwhelming and i went into a dark room and just uh, experienced that silence in the presence of god now it never occurred to me that i could incorporate that into my life routinely until i came upon um, some of the monastic uh, practices particularly those of the desert fathers you know people who went into the the periphery of the, the Nile region in Egypt in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth centuries uh, to seek God, and so so they they had this experience of finding God um, in the silence. Not not a sort of Zen like let's empty our minds, but but more how do we, how do we become aware of of God in in our lives, as for them, maybe as they were working, weaving a basket or whatever. And I think that that Jesus must have been a contemplative, because in his teaching, when he was teaching people about trusting God, he didn't sort of say, well, go and read Exodus. What he said was, uh, just stare at the birds of the air. So I think he must have spent a lot of time looking at the birds and the flowers, and thinking, these things actually communicate to me something of God. I don't mean in a sort of sentimental, uh, naive uh, sort of uh, excuse the pun, but flowery way, but but more about how do we become aware of the presence of God in all things? You know, the Ignatian tradition sees God in all things, and some some well, most monastic traditions also. Uh, look for that um awareness of the presence of god i avoided the word experience there because although the presence of god can come with tingles and you know in our culture with heat but i believe in central africa when god's present is you become cooler so um, I, although there can be experience involved i think it's more that you, you become aware that you see God around you.
1: You sharing that, Richard, reminded me of something else that was, that was an aha in your book where you talked about revival versus presence or the difference between revival and individual presence. Because I think people, at least my experience, is people read about revivals. And then they pray for revivals. And if we don't have revival in the way, in those big, powerful ways, we may think we're not experiencing God's presence in our lives. And you shared a little bit on that, the difference.
2: Yes. So the only original bit in the book is that I distinguish between God's extraordinary presence and his ordinary presence. And so I think that there are times which many of us have experienced, of God's extraordinary presence. So um, I was involved for a time in a group of churches in South Africa that started when three elderly ladies prayed in their rondavel, their round thatched hut, and people would walk past the hut and they would fall to the ground. This is not necessarily Christians and so that people started avoiding walking past their hut when they were praying, and out of that was was birthed uh, a, a whole sort of revival in in that area. And um, so I, I had the privilege of visiting that, and I think that that does happen, but it sort of worries me that people pin their hopes on God moving in a particular way. So what I like to think about is is God's ordinary presence so for example uh, jesus of course was the was the ultimate and is the ultimate presence of god with us so uh, when jesus was making a bench or working on a doorframe as a carpenter the people with him were in the presence of god but it was an ordinary presence and I think that we can pray for revival, and the the honest truth is that some people they then see something happen, other people see nothing happen because because we can't produce it. Mm. But I think what we can do is we can create the conditions in our lives for God's ordinary presence, which which it which is no less wonderful than God's extraordinary presence. In fact, most revivals ebb away over time. Hmm. So so most revivals are mountaintop experiences, but most of our lives we live either coming down from the mountain, in the valley, or ascending the mountain on the other side. So if all of our hopes are pinned on that mountaintop experience, we, we will sadly miss out you, I mean you probably recall the story of Jesus and the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration and they wanted to create a sort of museum of the Holy Spirit, didn't they? They wanted to um, you know put up three booths, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus to that people could visit and and um, but that they had to come down out of the mountain. Hmm.
3: Hmm.
2: So the mountain was real but they didn't live most of their lives in the mountain. And in fact, God hasn't made us to live most of our lives on the mountain. He's made us to live most of our lives in the real situations in which we find ourselves. And it's there where we need to to cultivate God's presence through, I think, through two things. One is through prayer and the other is through, through living a life which expresses the gospel, which you know, again, that's what I try to outline. Possibly not that well, but I try to outline it in the book. What are what are the practices that will attract the presence of God? Mm. And we can't actually force God to be present because He seems to value His freedom rather a lot. But we can do things that um, will enable God to walk with us one of the verses in the old testament you know how verses strike you and you think well that's a very odd thing to struck you but is is that verse about enoch in genesis you know so we've got this long list of ancestors and it's it's a bit of a boring list because it goes through their how long did they live and what were the names of their children and you've never met their children so it's You know, when people talk about their children, you've never met, it's not necessarily that exciting. So it goes through this rather boring list and then gets to Enoch and it says, and Enoch, it doesn't tell you anything about how long he lived, or it just says Enoch was a man who walked with God. And I think that's an
3: amazing
2: um, phrase, isn't it? And and it says, uh, or I think it was in the authorised version, it says, he was not for God took him. And there's just something about the way that he he lived his life, that he walked with God. That then brought him into the presence of God. And I don't think that's meant to really be a big stick to beat us up with, because if you asked me about my life, I could probably point to numerous instances where where I've fallen short and so I'm not I'm not a pietist in the sense that I don't think it's all about, you know, keeping your nose clean, as we say. And is that a phrase you use in America? Keep your nose clean.
1: It is. It yes.
2: Is. It is. It is. Uh, it's just it's not not all about that, but it's about it's about that constant fellowship with God, you know. So that, say, with Adam, uh, he when he sinned, he didn't continue to walk with God, did he? he tried to hide from him. Yeah. Whereas it says that he not walk with God. And so I think that there, there are things in our lives that we can do that God is attracted to to being with us, which I mean, for some people, that's a very odd idea that God might actually like you and want to be with you and might want to talk to you and make himself known to you in, in a variety of ways. But I. I think that, that that emphasis on on the presence of God is um, is important to counter a sort of ethic that says it's all about me, it's all down to me, it, it's it's all dependent on what I do. That actually there are things that we do, but but it, it it's much more dependent on God and His presence. So again, I don't know if that quite answers your question, but um, uh, I, I think it's uh, something that, you know, is is emphasized in the contemplative tradition, really. How do we become more aware of God and how do we carry his presence with us?
1: Well, it, it more than answers that question. And, and one of the things I wrote down in my notes, I think the Enoch example really as we talked about the book, Evan, Larry, and I it really stayed with all of us. and And I kind of drilled it down to three things as I was reading it and 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 spending some time with that scripture. And it was in cultivating that relationship, Enoch sought God out. And I love the example of Adam running from God. and um, and sometimes that's that's a scary thing to seek God out, at least in my life, it's been, and then welcomed um, God into his life, and then cultivated that relationship. And, and we, we talk a lot in this community about what does it look like to, to view our relationship with God as we would view any relationship we have with any human being. And that time, you know, time and, and access is really important in that relationship too. So I, I love that story that that one shall not leave me how you tied Enoch into all of this but another thing you know as i was reading about presence this word kabod and i hope i'm it's a hebrew word that that the way you wrote about it in the book was the invisible nature of god made visible and as i researched kabod it said it was a hebrew word for glory Would you share a little bit with us, Richard, just about what what that means, the invisible nature of God made visible in this whole notion of presence, God being present with us?
2: Yeah. um, I mean, just to start in in the New Testament and work back, um, Paul in 2 Corinthians says, doesn't he, that as, as we, basically, as we gaze upon God with an unveiled face, we are being changed from one degree of glory to another. It's interesting to think of that, isn't it? That mm. there are degrees of, of glory. And um, so the word glory in the New Testament can be used just like, you know, honor. It can be used like there's, you know, that's the glorious sunset type of thing, but it's also used uh, about God, um, and this relates to the Hebrew word that you mentioned, that is about the invisible nature of God becoming visible. So if you go back into the the Old Testament, sometimes that was through a a vision of God. So the glory of God's made, made manifest perhaps in the temple, for example. And then you come through to uh, the New Testament and it says about Jesus and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father. And so it, it doesn't, the Bible doesn't necessarily uh constrict the way in which that is experienced. Uh, I mean, another term that Paul uses is about the fragrance of Christ. So what he's saying is that you know we spread the fragrance of Christ he's basically saying what we bring is is the, the a smell like like a beautiful flower the fragrance of Christ he talks about the you know the church is the body of Christ doesn't he so that so that that through us and that's a, an image of us together not us as individuals through us something of Jesus is seen you know I think particularly as we care for the poor or we give hope to the hopeless through sharing the gospel the good news with them god is experienced in those things Uh, in giving a simple cup of water to somebody who's thirsty that is an experience of the reality of god who wants everybody to have enough to drink and everybody to um, have enough to eat i think there's also a another aspect to this which um, in the celtic christian tradition is known as uh, by the term thin thin place nobody quite knows where or when that phrase was was coined whether it's ancient or or modern but in in the celtic tradition they didn't see heaven up there somewhere we're on the earth in the middle and there's hell below what what they what they saw, and this probably comes from the pre-Christian origins, was that there is a physical reality, but it's coexistent with a corresponding spiritual reality. So everything that's physical has a spiritual dimension and everything that's spiritual has a physical dimension. And when the spiritual side of things can be seen clearly particularly the presence of god then we're we're in a in a thin place and i think the way that that works out very often is that you know you'll you'll go you'll go into somebody's home where where they they've prayed for years and years they they've just prayed and on going into that home you'll sense something and you know, you may not be able to put words to it, particularly if you're not uh, a Christian. uh, I mean, if you're an atheist, it's an embarrassing moment, I guess, because you're sensing something of God's presence. And uh, again, I think that's another part of the, uh, you know, of the quest that many of us are on is, is how can we get to the point where it's not just a case of maybe if somebody's interested, telling them facts about god but but how can they actually experience that that quality of the presence of god in in our um you know where we are where we live so i'll just give you an example Uh, a friend of mine very into prayer she felt god wanted her to pray in a in a lane in her village where she lives so she walked and she felt god wanted her to actually speak blessing over that place so she did this she walked up and down it she thought i don't understand what this is all about anyway the local school um we call it primary school um so it's young children probably you know five to eleven they had an outing along this lane and the teacher said to them i want you all to be quiet and just listen." To hear hear what you hear, and one child this lay on the floor and said, "What I I I can hear God telling me to listen for the voice of Jesus," mm-hmm. and and that's a thin place. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are dimensions to this that that we haven't really. Um, experience that much or maybe we experience them but we don't put a name to it so the presence of god can be experienced in revival in extraordinary ways but also can be experienced just in in the everyday and in in many many different ways
4: richard you you said as sharing a little bit about your story that that you came out of the evangelical, and uh, then the charismatic, and then you know how you shared about um, the contemplative. We we have a number of people in the community and people listening that are in the perhaps in the early stages of you know exploring or being invited into different streams, including the contemplative stream um based on your experience for people that are you know that are that are feeling that nudge of god into silence or in you know into more of what you're describing what would you say is perhaps an encouragement or just a you know a little bit of more about what is it what is it like to attract the presence of god what are some of the ways in which we can do that that are practical and you know perhaps a next step for somebody that might be listening
2: yeah i think that the, the first thing um, to say because I, I i'm still within the evangelical tradition is that there's a big emphasis on on the grace of god um, which doesn't mean the indulgence of god and it doesn't mean that god doesn't discipline us but what it means is that our experience of his presence is by his grace. So the the people that Jesus spent his time with, and he seemed to like spending time with tax collectors and sinners, they didn't experience God's presence in Jesus because they had in any way earned it. So just to clear that up, but I think that you touched earlier on the fact that it it does take a bit of time, doesn't it? I pray three times a day. Um, Usually during one of those, I mean, probably three out of four days, I will fall asleep. Friends who are gracious tell me that that's God allowing me to rest, but I know that it's just because I live on adrenaline and when that stops, I fall asleep. So what I'm trying to say is that I think just to start somewhere, just start. Think of the different pra- prayer practices that you can employ. If you don't pray regularly, to start with uh, perhaps the morning or an evening prayer, give it ten minutes. You know, it, it's a bit like um, uh, training for. A sports event or something you know you 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 don't start off with a huge goal you you start with with tiny steps and then find a way of praying that really suits you so it may be that you pray the lord's prayer or it may be you buy a book of prayers or it may be that you read the bible see what strikes you from the little bit that you're reading and start praying and, but for others it's just just sitting there and being open before uh, god that's really for people who have a much more peaceful inner world than i do who can do that sort of thing but find initially find out what what suits you try different things and then gradually increase the either the, t- the times in the day that you do it or or the amount of time that that you give to it, consider going on a retreat. You know, if you can only spend half a day in the wilderness somewhere, or in a cafe, or whatever you can do, just to start slowly, and uh, just remember that um, you know God isn't counting; uh, that He's not he, He's not seeking to reward your performance. He he just is interested in whether you have a heart that seeks him
0: mm-hmm.
2: and whether, whether you're starting on that path. But also, of course, you know, people like yourselves, you can help and advise people. And uh, you've probably got lots of experience of doing that and, you know, talk it over with somebody a bit further along the path. Just say, can you can you give me uh, can you give me any any hints? any tips you know so you might well what's what's your favorite christian song you know well it's be there my vision well why don't you just get up in the morning and and pray the words of be there my vision and start there yeah so start start small start slowly um gradually increase it um, but don't regard it as a competition with yourself or with other people If I regarded it as a competition, I would lose because I, you know, I know people say these sorts of things, but I mean it. There are a lot of these things I'm just not very good at. You know, I I do fall asleep. Sometimes I can't remember anything of the time of prayer because I've just fallen completely asleep. And my wife says to me, you were asleep, weren't you? (laughs) I heard, I heard no sound coming from your study. you were asleep.
1: <laughs> oh, that makes us feel so much better. I find Larry asleep in his prayer chair quite all, quite often. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. There was a scripture that was in your book that also spoke spoke to us. I'm gonna read it if I could from the passion translation and just would love just any any insight you would like to share. John 23. Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word, and my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. Beautiful words.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think that. I'll just start a little bit further back from that passage. I think when, particularly people who are Protestant, uh, they when they look back at the law of Moses, they think of it as being an imposition of loads of stuff people ought to do and that they resented doing, they hated doing it. But because if you read the Psalms, you see that what people the way people are regarding it is as wisdom for living and there's a huge gratitude for the law in the old testament so when we come through to the new testament i think what jesus does is he sums the whole thing up doesn't he love god and love your neighbor that's the commandment so and then you have the sermon on the mount where he outlines that in practice you know he's traveling around with a bunch of young men and some uh, women who supported his ministry and so he he talks to them about lust you know that if if you if you love the people around you you're not going to lust after them Mm. or he talks about uh, money doesn't he and the idea isn't you know god hates us having stuff but but that it can have such a hold on you it affects your values that you stop living a very wholesome life so i think i think when jesus talks about us following his commands if you love me you will obey me you will follow my commands what he says is that if you really love me, then you will. your life will exhibit a similar love. And, and, and all his teaching does is it just unpacks what does that look like in reality. So it, it, gives, it gives a way of living your life with a set of priorities that you have to then work through in your situation. And if you're living in that way, God is uh, attracted to people who live in that way and, and will come and make his home with us. I mean, that's an amazing story, isn't it? The idea that God will come and live in your house. I probably ought to tidy my house up a bit more if that's the case, but, um, you know, that's that's an amazing metaphor an amazing analogy, isn't it? God wants to come and be with us, particularly if we seem to be the sort of people he'd like to hang around with, which is, I suspect, why some of the tax collectors and the sinners were more attractive than the Pharisees, because probably they were were, were actually kinder to other people.
0: And this is the point in this episode where we'll turn it over to Richard and have him lead us in an ancient prayer practice. He'll set us up for this prayer and guide us through it.
2: So I, what, what I thought I would do is I would just use a monastic practice. In, in all monastic streams, uh, the Psalms play a huge part in their prayer life. I mean, the Psalms obviously were the songbook and the poetry book of ancient Israel. And so in, in monastic traditions, they recite Psalms as a way of praying. So I thought we could do that today. Just to say a few things. Firstly, I, I selected this Psalm very randomly, Psalm 143. It was just that when um, I got the email from Jodie saying, could we do a spiritual practice? That was the, my Psalm for that day. Uh, so this isn't my favorite Psalm or anything. <laughs> Um, the, the, the second thing is that the psalmists, there's a process, isn't there? So their prayers are subjective. So they're not. It's not so much like a doctrinal statement. It's here I am. This is my life. This is how I find it. What are you going to do about it, God? Is is the sort of basis for many of the psalms, and I think that. Unlike say Buddhism, where the idea is, how do you get above all of this? How do you float, you know, in a Zen like um, trance where nothing really matters? Doesn't matter whether life's going well or going badly. The, the Christian spirituality is very different because it's about engaging even more deeply with the people and the circumstances around you. And it's not about being detached, and it's about how do you wrestle with what's happening around you and how do you wrestle with god so uh, this is psalm 143 so we'll just pray to begin with and just ask you lord that you would hear us today and lord that you would just take this time with all of our distractions with all of our whatever's going on in life, and help us, Lord, to turn ourselves, our existence, our experience over to you, in Jesus' name, amen. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read a couple of verses then say a few things, and we'll go all through the psalm. Um, if you're listening um, at home, and you want to do this a bit more slowly just put it on pause when we get to the pause bits because we won't leave huge pauses during the recording so psalm 143 hear my prayer o lord give ear to my pleas for mercy in your faithfulness answer me in your righteousness enter not into judgment with your servant for no one living is righteous before you
3: so we come
2: to this time and we rely on god's faithfulness in your faithfulness answer me we're not relying on how well we have performed in life for no one living is righteous before you.
3: So as we come to this time of prayer, let's
2: remind ourselves of God's kindness and his acceptance of us based on grace. For the enemy has pursued my soul He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me
3: is appalled.
2: It may be that all is well with you, but if not, what are the things or the people that you feel
3: oppressed by? what areas of life do you feel crushed? Name them now. Feel free to be honest before
2: God remembering that you're not speaking objective truth, you're relaying your experience. I remember the days of old, meditate on all that you've done I ponder the works of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land.
3: As you can remember the
2: days of old. How has God worked in your life in the past, perhaps in times of darkness? You can stretch out your hands to God in uh, with your palms up to receive from God afresh.
3: My soul thirsts for you, for your presence. I long to see you work again.
2: Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my
3: soul. Can you be as urgent with God? Can you be as bold as demanding? Answer me quickly. Don't hide. Express your trust in God's steadfast love that it will be seen by you. Ask him to show you the path. The way you should go.
2: Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground.
3: you need deliverance or refuge maybe you need a clear flat path
2: For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant.
3: You can ask God now to bring you through, to preserve you.
2: We may not want to join the psalmist in wishing destruction on his enemies. But we do want to see change. We want to see
3: redemption.
2: We want to see the plans of any who would thwart us to be thwarted.
3: We want these things because we are God's servant.
2: This is a passage about life difficulties, and we going to end with a selection of verses from St Patrick's Breastplate, which is an ancient prayer. And so, I'll pray that uh, just to end. It's a prayer for protection on the journey. Christ is a light, illumine and guide us. Christ as a shield overshadow us, Christ under us, Christ over us, Christ beside us on our left and our right. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful, be in the heart of each to whom I speak, in the mouth of each who speaks to me. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Christ is a light, Christ as a shield, Christ beside me, on my left and my right. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all, evermore. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Thin Space Podcast. Today's episode was just the first half of our conversation with Richard. We'll be releasing part two next week. If you enjoyed today's conversation, we think you'd enjoy reading Richard's book, Cultivating God's Presence, Renewing Ancient Practices for Today's Church. You can find the link in the show notes to this episode. We'd also encourage you to check out Richard's website, newcharismatic.com. There you can learn about Richard, read his blog, or explore some of the resources he's been a part of creating. And if you're looking for a retreat center in the UK, be sure to visit Fall de Brennan. Their website is ffald-y-brenin.org, or you can just click the link in the show notes of this episode. If you'd like to help support the ongoing work of the Thin Space podcast, you can do so in one of three ways. First, leave a comment and review for the podcast on your preferred podcast application. Secondly, share the podcast with your network on social media or via email. And third, this podcast is made possible because of generous donors. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can do so on our website, cloudwalk.org. donate May the Lord be with you.